Good morning, Newburgh Church of Christ. Uh, I am so glad that we have the opportunity to worship together this morning. Um, this is all going to be a little kind of different for us. We've never really done a service quite like this before. Last week was really just a sermon. Um, I want to go ahead and give you a quick weekly update. Kyle put this together for us. Um, I'm really excited to, to share about a few of the things that we're doing. The first is that we have... Uh, this is not so exciting, but uh, we want to let you know there are no church gatherings or events in person through April 5th. Um, however, there are going to be some weekly stream services. If you're here, you already know that. Uh, about 10.30 a.m. on YouTube uh, every week for the foreseeable future. Um, we also want to encourage you to stay connected. We want to encourage you to call people, uh, send out letters. Uh, Nikki Van Doren has uh, kind of set up a situation where she's sending letters. Whether or not she stays in contact with people regularly, uh, this is an opportunity for her to encourage people um, wherever they might be. Uh, maybe follow Nikki's lead. I think it's a, a fantastic idea. Um, we also want to encourage you. We know that people are hurting financially. Uh, some people are out of work for a period of time. If you can't give, our expectation is not for you to give what you don't have. Uh, but if you are able to continue to give financially, uh, the church does have ongoing expenses, but we also have an increased need for benevolence. And so uh, as we have the opportunity to give, we want to encourage you to give. Um, if you are looking to give, there are a few different ways that you can do it. The first is by check or cash uh, during the offering. Uh, you can you can do that uh, by going to the, the church building and dropping it off there. We have bill pay. Uh, you can do that. And then online giving is an option as well. Uh, I don't want to focus too long on giving. Uh, that's really not the primary focus of what we're doing this morning. But I do want to let you know that those opportunities do exist. Um, we're going to have a whole lot of other uh, things to share with you in the coming weeks. Um, Kyle has set up a lot of opportunities for our youth group. Uh, we have some uh, weekly devos that are happening, daily devos uh, here on YouTube. Um, and I just want to encourage you to stay connected uh, and look for ways to encourage one another. Uh, this morning, uh, we have uh, Tyler reading our scripture today. Uh, and I want to go ahead and I'm going to pass things off to him. Uh, and then we'll have our message. Uh, continuing in our service today, following the message, I want to let you know what things are going to look like. Um, we're going to offer a time of communion. Um, I'm going to take communion right here in my office. Uh, my family is taking it in the living room right now, uh, about 20 seconds behind me video-wise. Um, we want to encourage you to take communion if you have the supplies with you, to take communion with the people who are sitting right there with you. Um, at the end of our live stream. There's going to be four songs that are streamed so that you can worship along with them. Uh, they are from Praise and Harmony TV. Uh, that's Keith Lancaster's group. They do uh, arrangements for congregational singing. Um, if you find that valuable, I'd encourage you to stick through those four songs uh, and then maybe worship afterwards as well. Uh, if, if you would just rather worship in your home with your family, uh, one of you wants to lead singing or you want to talk about the message, feel free to do that. Uh, we just want to make sure that we are uh, providing a resource for everyone who uh, is tuning in. So all of that said, I'm going to pass things off to Tyler uh, and let him read our scripture this morning. Good morning, church family. 
I'm blessed to bring us our scripture reading this morning. This morning is going to be coming from Luke 23, verses 26 through 34. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and I hope you'll follow along as I read. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and they laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that have not borne, and blessed are the breast that do not nurse. They will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And then they came to the place called the Skull. There they crucified him and the criminals, one to his left and one to his right. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. May God bless the reading of his word, and God bless your day. So I want to thank Tyler for that scripture reading. He worked on uh, uh, putting that together this week, and I found it a uh, blessing to be able to have another face on our live stream today so that it wasn't just the Chris show. Um, one of our hopes is to be able to uh, incorporate more of that as time goes on. We wanted to make sure we had all the kinks worked out. Um, I want to share a message with you this morning. Uh, over the last really three months, we've talked a lot about what our congregation wants to be, uh, who we desire to be. And a key part of our current mission statement is that we are disciples of Jesus. And we talked about the idea that being a disciple means to grow in the image of Christ. We had uh, three weeks worth of sermons that were specifically focused on what that image is, uh, what it means to grow into that image. And we talked about the idea, Kyle launched us into it, of presence. Jesus' image reflects presence. Uh, he's constantly involved in the lives of the people around him. He inserts himself into situations where he sees it's appropriate. Uh, what I've found, though, as I read scripture, is that he's not just present when he chooses to be. He's present when other people assert themselves into his current situation. Uh, if, if I challenge you, go ahead and read scripture this week. Go through one of the Gospels and take a look at the number of times that people just come up to Jesus in the middle of what he's doing and they grab his attention and they, they decide that I'm going to insert myself into the situation. And Jesus never treats them like an interruption. Jesus always treats them as though they are essential to what he's here for. His entire life is built around uh, this constant presence, even with people that we might declare an interruption. Then the following week, we ended up talking about uh, the idea that Jesus is not just present, but he's compassionate as well, that Jesus has a tremendous amount of compassion for people. Uh, we're going to be looking over the next two weeks at these ideas of presence and compassion. Uh, kind of revisiting them. A lot of times, 
when we get to the story of the cross in scripture, we kind of have this uh, false understanding where we, we think of the cross as something different from the life of Jesus, that it's, it's this break in the continuity of the story that scripture tells us about who Jesus is and what he's about. But as you can see from the slide on the screen over here, uh, I don't think that the cross is a diminishment or a distraction from the image of Jesus. I think in many ways the cross magnifies who Jesus is. It takes the image of Jesus and it, it zooms in on the specific qualities that we've talked about. And so I want to take a minute with you this morning to revisit what it is that Tyler's read to us and then discuss a little bit the things that come after that help us to better understand the presence of Jesus in the life of the people that are right around him during the cross. So uh, this morning we're talking about presence. I'm going to reread what Tyler has read, and then I want to share with you a little bit more. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people, and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves. And for your children, for behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will, be, they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? I find it interesting. Jesus is on his way to the crucifixion. We know that the cross is already present, that Simon is is carrying it, assisting Jesus towards the mountain. And in this moment, knowing full well that his own death is about to come, that he's about to suffer and struggle, and that he will take on to himself the sin of the world, Jesus is mindful of the need that these women will face. He's absolutely present in the moment. There's no question about it. Jesus' love for these people draws him out of his own suffering and moves him into theirs. Really, that is the message of the cross in many ways, that Jesus takes on to himself the things that are a burden to us. But specifically in this moment, I want you to listen to, to those words again. Jesus tells them, weep not for me, Weep for yourselves. And we could look at that and we could think that Jesus is, is maybe being a little sarcastic. Maybe he's uh, uh, being disingenuous. The truth is, I don't think Jesus is being disingenuous here. I think he genuinely feels sorrow for the experience that these women are going to have in the, in the coming future. But what I find most interesting is that moving on from this... Throughout the story of the crucifixion, Jesus has constant interaction with people. Uh, Tyler continued reading. He said, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified him. 
and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And I want to focus for just a minute on the story of one of these criminals. See, this this particular criminal, he's having a conversation with the other criminal that's on the other cross, and he's defending Jesus and Jesus' claim to divinity, his claim to being who he says he is, the Christ. And Jesus provides him comfort. He provides him with this assurance uh, in Luke chapter 24, Uh, In verse 43, it says, And he said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus has a lot going on in this moment. I mean, I don't want to understate things. It's, It's no one has ever had a more daunting agenda than Jesus has in this moment on the cross. And it's in this moment that he he is comforting a dying man. It's on the way to the cross that he comforts a crowd of mourning women. In the Gospel of John, he makes arrangements for the care of his mother. Jesus is hyper aware of all of the people around him, even as he's suffering his own burden. I have to confess, sometimes I... I can't operate in that mode. Not not I can't. I don't operate in that mode. I, I have a tendency to get so focused on the work that I'm doing that I miss the suffering of others. I prioritize my own needs, my own struggle, my own suffering, and see other people maybe as a distraction from it. And Jesus never does that. And I find it so convicting as I'm reading through this that Jesus never treats anyone like they are an interruption to his work. I think about uh, the the president of my college, uh, Dr. Dennis Lynn. He constantly said, you are not a, a distraction from our work. You are our work. And Jesus is the ultimate model of that saying put into practice. As Christians, we are called to share in the work of Christ. We are called to take on the image of Christ and live it out in our world, in our context. And so I want to share with you another passage this morning. Uh, This is, I think, maybe uh, one of the most compelling passages in Scripture. We're going to read through it. It says, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. This is Paul talking about himself. This is my proclamation. Jesus Christ is Lord, and I serve you for Jesus' sake. And then he continues, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the ministry we're called to. Not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God. To reflect the glory of God in the same way that the face of Jesus Christ reflects the glory of God. 
we continue on, this is this is maybe my favorite passage in, in this whole book, 2 Corinthians. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. This is the mission statement of Christianity. The mission statement of our identity as disciples of Jesus. If we genuinely believe that to be a disciple of Jesus means to grow into his image, we have to learn to say, I'm afflicted, but I'm not crushed. I am perplexed. I I can't understand what's going on, but I do not despair in this moment. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. God is still here with me. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Right now, we all face a lot of of struggle in our lives. We are perplexed. We are uh, not persecuted necessarily, but certainly in a state that is not the, the one we're typically used to. Life is different right now. I probably don't have to tell you that, but in case you haven't noticed, it's, it's perplexing. It's uh, a little bit disconcerting. It feels somewhat like affliction at times, but we have hope. We have hope. The image of God has taken up residence inside of us. We're just, we're clay pots, jars made out of earth, made out of mud. And the God of the universe has taken up residence inside of us. And his call to us is that even in our perplexed and and unimaginable state, we manifest Jesus that we live out the presence of Christ. Now here's the deal. I I completely recognize how difficult it is to talk about presence in a time where we're being told we need to socially isolate. And I want to encourage you, isolate yourself socially in a physical sense. Um, I had a good friend of mine post on Facebook this week that maybe social isolation is the wrong word that the truth is we should be physically isolated and socially connected. And so this morning, as we're talking about presence, as we're talking about what it means to share our presence with others in a meaningful way, I want to encourage you to use some creativity. Tomorrow, not tomorrow, today, after service, get on the phone, grab your directory, make a call, find someone who is in need. You may be in a position where you absolutely cannot go out of your house. Uh, you might be in, in poor health. Uh, maybe you have a compromised immune system or respiratory problems or, or any other number of afflictions 
that you're facing. You have the benefit, however, of living in an age where we can do stuff like this. We can reach out to one another electronically. And it's not the same as giving a hug. It's not the same as giving a handshake. But it is an opportunity for us to provide comfort to those who are in need. So if you have to stay in your home, I have to until Friday. If you have to stay in your home, make a call. Write a card. Take a few minutes to send a message that's encouraging and thoughtful, that reminds people of the presence of Christ in your life so that they might know the presence of Christ in their life. If you're well, if you're not in one of these groups that needs to be isolated, still make the call. Find the people that you know that can't leave their home right now. Ask them, hey, can I bring you groceries? Can I, can I make it a point today to uh, drop some mail off at the post office for you? Can I uh, deliver things that you need delivered? Can I, can I FaceTime call you? Can I do whatever it is to make a connection with you? The temptation, as we're being told to socially isolate, is to literally socially isolate and to remove our presence from the lives of those around us. Maybe to see our current affliction, our difficulty, our frustration as individuals who are sheltered down in our homes as the priority. It is a priority. Take it seriously. But don't take it so seriously that you neglect the need of presence for others. Jesus takes on the affliction of the world, the sin that we have all committed, and goes to the cross. He bears it on his shoulders. He wears the nail scars on his hands and his feet, and his back is torn, and a crown is placed upon his head that digs into the flesh. And he still finds a way to be present with the people around him. And so while we're all in our our own homes, while we're all a little distant physically, we need to find ways to be present with others. I want to pray with you, and then uh, we're going to move into our time of communion this morning. So let's pray. Our God in heaven, you are good. You love us so deeply, and you have given us so much. And, And we find hope. We find peace in our understanding that you are good, that your promise endures forever. And so, Father, I pray that as we take that reality into ourselves, that we we find a way to then extend that message to other people. Help us to be the image of Christ in the lives of those who do despair, in the lives of those who are finding themselves feeling destroyed. Help us to be your image. Help us to be your body in this world, to take in the wonderful story of salvation as these humble clay jars and to let you shine through. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is our story. We are people who 
have a Redeemer who died for our sins, who hung on a cross, who took the nails through his hands, who bled, who died, and who was resurrected. And I just realized I've got to grab my communion cup. Uh, We have these little communion cups that we've given out to a lot of the members of our congregation. Uh, For just a moment today, I want to reflect on what these things mean to us. Um, this is, this is a little wafer. It kind of tastes like styrofoam. It's not fantastic, but it's, uh, it's what we can do right now. This represents the body of Christ. I asked my kids last week why we remember the body of Christ. We remember the body of Christ because it is real. Jesus was really here. His presence was actual. There's no question about it. In fact, it was the earliest controversy that we have a record of the church shooting down as as Christianity spread. The body of Christ is a real thing. And so when we take communion, we remember the body of Christ. I'm going to encourage you all to go ahead and take that out for just a moment here. I'm going to pray with you. And then I'm going to encourage you to participate in communion if you have that with you. Let's pray. Father, help us to remember that your son brought his real presence into our world. That he came and he dwelt among us. And that even in the most difficult moments of his life, that presence was constant. It was unfailing. That his love for us was so great he chose to be here rather than in heaven. He chose to be among us so that we could have the hope to be with him for eternity. And we remember as we take this, this bread that we are invited into that story. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'll invite you to take your communion at this time, uh, your, your bread. And then I want to focus on the cup for just a moment. Again, last week, my children and I were talking about what the communion means and why it is that we take this blood, this this grape juice. And my daughter said, well, it represents the blood of Jesus. And that's true. And, and I asked her, why is it significant that this represents the blood of Jesus? And we began a conversation about the Old Testament law and why it is that God commanded we must sacrifice bulls and rams and sheep and all these other things in order to roll back sin, to atone in some way for the wrong that man had done. And God commands it. The sheep never gets up from the altar. It stays dead. The bull that's offered stays dead. Those sacrifices never get up again. Jesus sheds his blood the same way that an Old Testament offering would have had its blood shed as an atonement for our sins, as a way of washing and purifying who we are. But the Old Testament also tells us not to drink blood because the life of a thing is in its blood. And then Jesus commands his disciples 
Take this cup. It is my blood shed for you. And so today we take this cup. We break the Old Testament law of not drinking blood. Obviously it's grape juice. It's the fruit of the vine. But we take it because the life of Jesus is in the blood. And in taking this, we are invited into the life of Jesus. An offering that got up. A sacrifice that didn't stay dead. And we remember the blood. We remember the life before the death. And we remember the life after the death. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you invite us into new life as people who can participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son. As we take this blood this morning, as we take this cup, help us to remember that the life is in the blood of the Lamb. That if we want to truly live, we must allow your Son to be inside of us. That we must take in his presence. And then we are called to extend that presence out to others. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. And I invite you to take the cup with me. So if you're tuning in this morning uh, and you're a member of the Newburgh Church of Christ, I want to remind you that we have ways for you to give. Uh, If you uh, are able this week, make sure that you stop by the office or you set up bill pay or however you want to give. If you can't give, if it's going to put you in a place where you simply cannot continue to survive, especially in light of all of the things that are going on, find other ways to offer Find other ways to use your life, your skills, your abilities to encourage others towards their growth in Christ. If you are a part of another congregation, we want to encourage you to continue to give to them. I know that we have a few people who are tuning in this morning who are not a member of the Newburgh Church. We still think that it's important for you to give to your local congregation. Um, They have an opportunity for benevolence as well. And so in whatever way you can give, even if it's not financial, even if it's of your time, your energy, uh, your skills, your giftedness, whatever it is that you have to give, we want to encourage you to give. And as we wrap up our service this morning, uh, and as I said at the beginning of service, there's going to be a series of songs here. um, And we invite you and encourage you to worship for a period of time this morning. Uh, If you want to worship in your own home, feel free to log off and uh, do that. Um, But if you would find the the guidance in worship encouraging, we want to encourage you uh, to participate in the remainder of service with us. Uh, Let me go ahead and pull those up for you.